Hello there, welcome to Unstoppable Rise, a resource that helps motivated individuals avoid the pitfalls of modern life while simultaneously taking advantage of the vast opportunities it offers, using a combination of old school wisdom and new breed tactics. I'm your host, Sim, and today we're going to be talking about time and time management. So I won't waste any more of your time, and we're just going to dive right in. Let's begin. On the last audio blog, I talked about the three resources that you need in order to make your life a success and to make your life something that you want and something that makes you proud at the end of the day. And one of these resources was time and time in relation to time management and how to use it effectively. So we've already established the baseline that time is a non-renewable resource. It is not something you can obviously save up. You can't keep it for another time. And when people talk about wasting time, you can't really waste time. You can only use it. So time, whatever you do, it is being used in everything you do because time is the substance that covers everything in reality. So certain things take a certain amount of time. It doesn't matter whether you're going to the bathroom, taking your dog around for a walk, commuting, being in traffic, going to work, being at work, going to school, all these things. All these things take a certain amount of time. They took a certain amount of time out of our day. And we all have 24 hours and we all have different obligations we have to fulfill in that time. So our time is used differently in different areas, but we all do have moments of downtime and time where we're not dedicated to doing obligations and that is free time. So in this free time, that is what is going to determine pretty much the course of your life because you're able to shape the course of your destiny without any outside interference or interruption. So that is one facet of time management. And it's also going to be the building block for the next couple of points. So this free time or your time in general can only be allocated from areas of lesser value to areas of greater value. So Anything that you want to do has different sets of values, and anything you want to do has different priorities to them. And when I talk about value, I'm not necessarily talking about something that makes you money or something that enhances your status in the world. I could be talking about something that comes in the form of enjoyment. So playing piano for some people is a a greater value activity, learning a skill. And it's also in the form of life-sustaining activity. So anything that enhances your life and pretty much anything that makes you live a more productive life. So going to the gym, taking a run, physical activity, uh, mental activity, anything like that. So it's not necessarily anything that just creates monetary value. And another aside for this, some people could say, oh, well... You know, doing certain things, uh, I guess everything can be, you know, a good use of your time because it creates enjoyment. Well, the difference between enjoyment and pleasure is very, very subtle sometimes. But anything that just brings you pleasure isn't really necessarily a good use of your time. And that's saved for another conversation. But Just because you're doing something that's pleasurable doesn't mean it's a good use of your time. So keep that in mind. And 
and you can only use time effectively by systematizing it really you know time can be used haphazardly and the way to prevent that is creating routines or systems so obviously you've heard of a morning routine you've heard of an evening routine and you've heard of routines pretty much to structure this free time and make it flow in a certain order and that's what the use of systems is to create a general overarching framework of how this time should be spent. So your time at work or your time at school, that's a system that's placed around that time block. So at school, you're supposed to be learning. You're not supposed to be doing other things. At work, you're supposed to be working. You're not supposed to be doing other things. Now, I've been studying time management for quite some time now. Pretty much that comes with the territory when you get into personal development. You're going to run into time management eventually. And time management, there's an entire field dedicated to it that is the branch of personal development and self-development. It's a multi-million dollar industry. So I've done research into this. I've read Getting Things Done. I've read books like Deep Work. I've done a lot of methods of inquiry into time and time management, the Pomodoro technique, um, all these other methods. So they're all, they all work great. And these are all systems. So people think that just ascribing to one certain philosophy, like David Allen's again, getting things done philosophy in terms of if you have a series of small tasks that take less than five minutes, you should do it immediately to take up so it can free up mental RAM. And I think all that stuff is great. I think having systems is great, like I just said, but it doesn't get to the root of what is happening because there's a lot of things that make systems run and make them just be effective tools for whatever branch of personal development you are doing, whether it be working out or talking to people or even time management, the system is built on smaller building blocks. What are those smaller building blocks that build up to make the structure of time management a time management system? Well, I believe after many years of talking about this, that it all comes down to habits. Everything in time management comes down to habits because when you're talking about time you're essentially talking about habits and your system whatever system it is is effectively built on constructing good habits so you want to make sure you are doing more good habits and less bad habits and that gap that difference is what creates good time management so someone can pick up a book like deep work or getting things done, and they look at the system, they think it's great, but the system doesn't mean anything unless there's execution. If there's no action, if there's no execution, then the system is just going to fall apart. And that execution is pretty much built on what you do every day. So a wise man a long time ago, you may know him, he said that excellence is not an act, but it is a habit. So if you want to be excellent in something, it's pretty much a series of 
small actions done over time until it becomes automatic because that's what a habit is. So doing something over and over again will just make something a habit. It will make it automatic. When I first started driving, which was many moons ago, I was scared out of my mind. I couldn't even fathom driving this multi-ton block of steel around and maneuvering and stopping in traffic and all of that. And before, it was very awkward. The beginning was very awkward, like most beginnings are. But then now, it's like second nature. It's I, I don't even have to think about driving. When I just hop in my car, I just start up and I just go. And I think driving has a very low skill acquisition barrier because I think driving the skill of driving, acquiring it is very easy for the majority of people. And because it is something that's required to pretty much get around in most cities in society. So that habit is just something you do every day. Going to work or school, like I said before, that system is built upon habits. You have a habit of going to a certain teacher's room every day for the majority of the year, and it just becomes a habit. When you're walking towards that person's room and your schedule in school and your schedule at work, it's just it's just a habit because your brain has established synaptic connections dedicated towards that habit. So if you want to use your time more effectively, it all boils down to habits. And it's crazy that a discussion of time itself would boil down to habits, but it's not so far-fetched because, like I said, we are what we do, and excellence, therefore, is not an act. It's a habit. That's the quote by, of course, Aristotle. So um, habits are crazy because they are very hard at the beginning. Everything is very hard at the beginning. But then it just becomes easier and easier where it becomes very automatic. And for good habits, this can be a ridiculous compound effect. It would shoot you up into God knows where. And then for bad habits, obviously it takes you down to the deepest pits of the dungeon. And that's not somewhere you want to go. And this is referred to as hypnotic rhythm by the old-time Napoleon Hill in his book, Outwitting the Devil. So he has something to say about habits. Pretty much every, every person who has written about human potential has something to say about habits. And habits are just the building block of a successful life. So I realized this many years ago, and I endeavored to make as many good habits as I could and eliminate as many bad ones as I could. And obviously that is a task that's easier said than done, but it's just something that needs to be done if you want to use time effectively. So you can think of your life as a giant structure. So think of your life as just like this giant structure that's made up of all these blocks and all these blocks are themselves composed of different materials and that material is composed of your habits so say for example one thing you do in your life you may play musical instruments and you may have built up the habit of practicing very often and you may have the habit of practicing new material so you're doing deliberate practice you get into the habit of doing deliberate practice and then 
eventually you become a really good musician. And that's one block that makes up the structure of your life. So your entire structure of your life is made up of all your habits, good and bad. And if you want a new structure, a better structure, you pretty much have to take out the bad habits and insert good habits. And the integrity of your structure, the integrity of your life will be pretty much determined by the extent of your bad habits. Bad habits do a lot more damage than good habits do a lot more healing and good in your life. So if you have something like a, let's say, uh, you have a penchant for smoking cigarettes. And I mentioned cigarettes in the last in the last vlog because cigarette smoking is such an easy target because we all know that cigarettes pretty much do not provide any value for you. They provide pleasure, like I mentioned earlier. You, you get a hit of enjoyment from smoking cigarettes, but they do not provide for you in any way. Like, they are expensive, so you're losing money. They drain your energy. They give you, they may give you eventually emphysema or lung cancer if you do it long enough. And that drains your energy. And of course, you waste your time to go and buy cigarettes. And, but still, there's billions of people around the world who smoke cigarettes on a daily basis, smoke, smoke them packs a day, even though they know the dangers. But the addiction, uh, the hypnotic rhythm of the habit of smoking cigarettes has pretty much taken over at that point. And at that point, it's just a lot harder to quit than it was to start. So starting pretty much was hard, then it got easier, and then it got incredibly easy to smoke cigarettes, and now it's incredibly easy to... It's incredibly hard to not do that. It's just habitual for some people. So... You want to make sure that you're creating habits that are life-sustaining. Again, not just entirely built on pleasure, because if you're making habits that are entirely built on pleasure, you may not be getting a positive metric in terms of creating your life. And you can get positive enjoyment out of something like playing instruments, but it's not the type of instant pleasure you would get from smoking cigarettes. So you have to focus on... Uh, what is going to bring me the most long-term satisfaction and just start building a habit for that because it would obviously become automatic. So a lot of people have said that I have an uncanny ability to just cold open people. Um, and I guess I do. I mean, I don't really think about it, but now that I, now that I think about it, consciously it's because I made the habit of talking to strangers I made the habit of just talking to people and being interested in what they had to say and people do have a lot to say and I'm just really curious about that so it became a habit to me it's not something that's strange and people say you know how do I approach strangers or how do I talk to strangers in a contextual environment like if you're at a networking event or a dinner party or whatever I would just say build up the habit of becoming curious about what they have to say because everyone has a story to tell and everyone has something interesting to say and if you build up that habit of wanting to talk to other people because you want to hear what they have to say you eventually build the habit of just talking to people randomly in a contextual environment, 
not just ran, randomly approaching people on the street, but if you're at a networking event, you're not shy to approach, approach other people. So um, that eventually becomes part of your personality, and that becomes part of your reality. So your personality as well, to hinge on that point, is built up out of habits. If you have the habit of, let's say, thinking positively or thinking negatively, that's going to manifest in some way. It's going to manifest in your behavior, the way you talk to people, the way you think about certain situations, and that habit will itself feed back into life and determine how you use your time. So somebody who did not have much optimism for the future, did not have much optimism for themselves, why wouldn't they smoke cigarettes, come home from work, watch hours of TV a day, binge on junk food, surf the internet randomly, and just complain about what the world is. Why, why, why wouldn't they do that? Of course they would do that because they built up a habitual rhythm in their mind of what the world is like. And that, of course, has become their personal reality. And while we're on this subject of personal reality, I don't think any type of discussion of personal reality could be complete without the discussion of paradigms. And paradigms, which I mentioned in another audio recording, is basically your worldview and how you see the world and your place in it and your place relative to other people, objects, situations, events, all that stuff. So your personality is going to affect your paradigm and vice versa. So you can think of your paradigm as a giant feedback loop in terms of what you're going to get from life and what experience what results you expect to get out of life. So if someone has a paradigm of the world being a hopeless place, that is going to feed into their actions, and their actions are going to feed back more into the paradigm. So if someone has a paradigm of, I'm useless, obviously they're not going to do anything constructive, so eventually they're just going to just lag behind everything and everyone and feel even more useless. So it's a self-reinforcing mechanism and this affects, obviously, how you use your time, because if you have the paradigm of, I want to use my time effectively, I'm a good person at managing my time, and I want to have the highest possible use of my time in all areas, and you establish that as your worldview, you're obviously going to gravitate towards areas that are going to produce value for yourself and others, and you're just going to lead a more positive life which makes you a more positive person, which enables you to do even more positive things, and it's just an incredibly upward cycle. And that's why, again, I say that habits are the root of good time management because they effectively relate back to your whole paradigm of the world. So we've already established that good habits are what makes a system run in any type of personal development framework. And... Habits are pretty much what's going to lead to your destiny. So obviously you want a better ratio of good habits to bad habits. And you just want to make sure you're always reinforcing those good habits and finding ways to undermine the bad habits, the ones that slip underneath your conscious awareness. So the thing about habits is why they are so powerful is that they won't give you 
any immediate feedback, really. Long-term habits, at least. The first time you step in the gym, you're not going to become Arnold Schwarzenegger. The first time you eat a Big Mac, you're not going to get a heart attack. The first time you read a book, you're not going to become Gandhi or Aristotle or whoever. You're not going to become some enlightened master the first time you read a book or the first time you go and sit down to meditate or whatever. All these things happen at the far side of doing these consistently every day and dedicating your time towards them. So, you know, all these bad habits like eating a Big Mac, smoking cigarettes, taking heroin even, you know, they feel good in the, in, in the short term. And that's pretty obvious, but you aren't going to say, oh my God, what is this going to do to me in like a year or five years? Because in the back of your mind somewhere, you feel like a year is never going to come or five years is never going to come, but it always does. Inevitably, it always does. And you know, what you've done in the past will be your result in the present or in the future. So if you want to have better feedback from your environment and what results you're getting from life, you're just going to have to input a different variable. So life is always showing you what the results are of your actions, the results of your habits. If you don't like your environment, that pretty much means that you're going to have to develop new habits. And that eventually means that you're going to develop a new personality. And that means you're going to develop a new personal reality. So we have to really be concerned about habits, if I haven't stressed this enough throughout this recording. So a good framework for this is, I would say, James Clear's work. And I stumbled into James Clear quite a few years ago, and I ended up taking his Habits Masterclass. And that proved effective for me about two, three years ago to help me shed some light on some areas that I wasn't seeing in terms of habits and how I could take away some of those sticky habits. So um, he eventually sent me the manuscript of his book, Atomic Habits, and I read through some of it. And then once I did, he sent me the full book to have in advance of the book release. And I got it and I started implementing it. And I really do think that the framework in Atomic Habits is the clearest and easiest definition of how to set a good habit and eliminate bad habits. He puts forth such a logical structure on how to do it. It's very simple to follow, but it's not necessarily easy, but simple. And I do think for many people, it will be the most impactful book they will ever read, or at least top five they'll ever read, bar none. At least I know it was for me, because now I know effectively how to set and get rid of bad habits, and it's just helped me tremendously. So in the short term, I'm going to give you a quick way you can put start putting this to work so you can start 
building some good habits and eventually start using your time more effectively. So the first step of the first step would be to bring your habits to light. In many cultures, light is associated with knowledge, enlightenment, progress, everything you can think of, everything good you can think of. And darkness is pretty much associated with ignorance, barbarity, primitivism, anything that's degrading. And that's somewhat true, I'd say. So you want to take your habits out of the dark of ignorance and put them in the light of enlightenment. So you're going to need to write them down, write down all of your habits, your good ones, your bad ones, anything you do on a consistent, perpetual basis. And ask yourself, how automatic are these things? And you can even get even more granular with this. How many of these aren't just habits, but they are self-sustaining mini addictions in terms of, I need this activity or I need this substance or whatever to feel as if I have a standard baseline of being myself. And you'll get very honest and very clear very fast on what you need to take out and what you need to leave. Some of you may have habits that are draining your bank account, that are draining your time, and draining your energy. So those are the ones you need to get out ASAP. And step two of step one is to understand that you can't eliminate all of your bad habits at once. If that were the case, all of us would have been perfect enlightened beings by now. And there would be no reason to do anything because we have no more bad habits. So it is something you have to be patient with and it's something you have to take your time with. So don't rush it. And a corollary to that point is do these habits one by one. Don't focus on eliminating a lot of bad habits all at once or adding a lot of good habits at once because you're just going to get overwhelmed and it's not going to work out as as you want it to. So you can add some habits that are in the periphery. So for example, when you go to the gym, you also have a habit of doing a certain routine. So those habits are contextual, but they all fit in the container of gym time. Or you may have a habit of reading, and then you have a habit of reading, let's say an hour or 20, 20 pages. Or another one is you have a habit of going on a walk every day. And then you also have the habit of listening to an audiobook or a podcast or whatever. So those habits are contextual because they stack. So don't try to add too many incongruent habits together because it's not going to work out. And the third point is to starve the bad habit or bad habits. So when you have a fire or some other type of burning fuel, they always say don't expose the fire to air or oil or any of that. Just let it fizzle out. Just let it fade out. Just let it die. Because 
when a fire doesn't have its fuel source, it's not going to be a fire anymore. It just fades away because it has nothing to run on. And that's the same thing with your habits. You are going to have better luck when you take your attention off of bad habits and off of cravings. So you may have cravings for certain bad habits, but don't give them any attention. And that's this takes willpower because when you're when you're resisting cravings, you're flexing your willpower. You're using that amazing brain of yours to resist whatever temptation you're going through and insert the idea of a better life. And you put that in the forefront of your mind and you use your willpower to jam this habit loop, this hamster wheel of destruction, and then you just keep it there as long as you can until the craving subsides because the craving will always subside it's are you going to give into it in the moment because when you start to give into cravings you're strengthening synaptic pathways that are related to those cravings and it makes it easier to go back the next time and it makes it easier to go in a more downward cycle until it gets too stronger too much so that you can't do anything but give in for all the other times. So that's the hypnotic rhythm that I mentioned earlier. And as a last point is no one is perfect. No one has 100% good habits, but you don't need to be perfect in order to win this game of habits and time management. You just need to have a majority as James Clear will mention in Atomic Habits. And that's the biggest insight that I got from him is that you don't need a majority of actions or habits or whatever. You just need, or you don't need a unanimous vote, sorry, but you need a majority. So if you have 50% plus one of your habits going in a certain direction, that's a majority. But you don't need to be 100% a perfect angel and... That's just impossible because I've already said before, perfection is not the goal. Perfection is the enemy of progress. It's more about optimization, and this is a perfect example of that. So to sum up, time management is built on systems. Those systems are built on habits, which are built on effective structures of creating habits. So your time is effectively channeled by how you spend your day and how you spend your day is what you do on a consistent basis which is usually automatic and that comes by way of habits so i hope you enjoyed this audio and i hope you got some insight from it and i'll see you on the next one take care bye-bye